This episode is a little different. It's going to come in two parts, the first of which I recorded last night. Here's the first. The reaction. Just a warning, this episode is a bit heavy, and I'd like to warn for content including mentions of violence, mental health, and suicidal ideation. So yesterday was Sunday. It was day 17. I missed the episode because I was visiting with some friends in D.C., and we decided to go to the Holocaust Memorial Museum, which took up way more of the day than I intended, but I'm really grateful for it because it was a highly impactful experience. It had my head spinning because I don't often spend a lot of time quietly sitting with those kinds of atrocious realities. It had me thinking of some of the things I said in my Day 15 piece about how I seek out easily accessible emotional stories in order to comfortably feel something. When I was editing that piece, I heard one of the lines I had said and it struck me as inaccurate, but I was already almost finished and I didn't want to change anything at that point. I said that my emotions are easily manipulated by anything ranging from a Christmas tree to a serious tragedy, real or fake. That's just not true. When I read articles about shootings, my brain fritzes and I just close the tab. If it's a real tragedy, I never get close enough to let my emotions connect. I don't spend a lot of time educating myself about the terrible things people do and what we can do about it. I don't see myself as someone who could ever help change the world. I don't take responsibility. I passively support the people who I think have a better chance at doing something, but not as much as I could. I walked around that museum yesterday, reading accounts of unfathomably inhumane horrors and the political climate that allowed it to happen. I read about what systemized hate and bigotry can allow people to do, and some things rang such a dismal familiar bell that I got chills. I read about acts of savagery perpetrated against innocent people, and I thought, well, at least we're not there yet. When I didn't know what else to think, I found myself literally praying, Please, God, never let anything like this ever happen again. Then a thought would tap at the corners of my mind, reminding me that genocide still happens today in countries far away from the U.S., and I would just shake that unsettling idea away and carry on. It's easy to detach from the Holocaust and label it as history, to pretend the people who did that were primitive cavemen and that it could never happen in our modern society today. But that's just not for certain. I do not deem myself informed enough to go into specifics, but there are always people in power filled with hate who would willingly use their authority to squash human beings they are afraid of in an attempt to solve an entirely unrelated problem. There's a wall in the exhibit that lists thousands of names of rescuers who put everything on the line to hide or fight on the behalf of their Jewish friends and neighbors, and, and it makes you wonder if you would have found your own name there if you were put in their position. I am too afraid, far too governed by fear, to feel that I would do the brave and the right thing. I have to think that I would self-preserve. I would probably be a textbook bystander, feeding myself the classic, easy-to-swallow pill of someone else far more competent will take care of that. I saw some other friends last night, and Rebecca actually offhandedly brought up an essay that I wrote in a nonfiction class years ago. It was funny that she did because it was kind of really relevant to this guilt dilemma that I have. It was about the many ways that I spent my childhood and teen years living in fantasy worlds and wishing something would happen in my life to make it more exciting, wishing my life felt like the stories I read and had stakes and drama and that I was the significant protagonist with a tragically inspired drive to do something amazing. 
I had, and maybe still have, a habit of owning tragedies that aren't real to feel like I've been there, but I never considered or grasped exactly what it would feel like to actually go through something so real. But the worst that ever truly happened to me was just monotony. Then a handful of young people around me died, and I watched their friends and families mourn. I got a glimpse of what tragic conflict felt like in real life, the proximity closer but still comfortable. Then I spent a year of my life trying to convince someone close to me to stay alive. A year of breakdowns, threats of suicide, and a hospital visit, constant fear that one misstep on my part and I could be the reason someone I loved was gone. For a year, my life was a story that I would read about, and it felt terrible. I was lucky that my life wasn't like a work of fiction as a child or teen. I am privileged and fortunate and quite honestly stupid for wishing something would happen to me to certify me a sympathetic protagonist. I am lucky that the worst I've ever felt is over for now. I am lucky that I can walk through a museum about the Holocaust and know that there are people in this world walking around alive today, wielding a huge amount of power who would take steps towards something like that again if we let them. But I am, and probably will always be safe on the basis of who I am. As I unloaded my guilt to my friends last night, they told me, if we had these kinds of issues on our minds all the time to the extent that you're expecting from yourself, we'd all lose it. And I know that. But there are some people who do think about this stuff nearly 24-7 and devote their lives to enacting change, and those are the people who are laying the bricks for a better world. What am I going to do for anyone by writing or making podcasts or whatever egocentric creative endeavors I intend to pursue? I usually have to tell myself that I can only hope to do for someone what other creators have done for me. But what if that's just enabling escapism and avoidant behavior in people just like me who would rather live and feel in a fantasy world? As with a lot of my pieces, this is all to no end. I have no conclusive statement to end with, and this really just feels like a big, many-pronged question, which actually sounds similar to one of the slogans printed on pamphlets and painted on the walls of the Holocaust Museum. This museum is not an answer. It is a question. It's easy to lay down this case against myself and appear to demand answers from myself, but never give them. Guilt is paralyzing. But how do I learn how to move forward? Part 2. An Action After reading out and recording that piece last night, it felt... incomplete. It felt like a whirlwind of disconnected thoughts coming from a highly emotional place, and I wanted to sleep on it and reflect... Deep down, I knew it was a slightly off-balance scathing critique of myself, and that felt a little odd to publish without comment. Conveniently, I had a therapy appointment today, and I unloaded the many dilemmas I somewhat outlined in part one, and while, of course, there are still no answers, it felt different to unpack it all to someone else and have my confusion validated and then talk through what I can do about the way I feel. It changed... something... I don't feel that any of it seems clearer, but talking about it tweaked something up there in my brain just a little bit. As I said, guilt is paralyzing. I ruminate on all the things I haven't done or can't do, and instead of working through what I can do to be better, I stand where I am because I feel defined by my inaction. I see all of the things I don't do laid out before me as just that, things I don't do, instead of things I could learn to do. I tried to internalize the fact that it's not necessary to be hopeless, that I can't change everything about myself overnight just because I know the kinds of qualities I want to have. 
I can't go from paralyzed with guilt to my ideal self in one day. After therapy, I went to the library to return a book. I have a bad habit of taking out books and never opening them for two weeks and then returning them a few days late. When I go to return them, I always think, I don't need to get another book, I won't read it, but then I always peruse and find something new and take it home and never touch it. I realized that one way I can be a little less passive is just by actively educating myself about issues I feel guilty for not knowing enough about. I took out three books on the AIDS crisis after googling some suggestions. It's something I've recently wished I knew so much more about. An even more recent point in American history when systematized fear of certain groups of people allowed them to die in troves. I'm aware that so much of the history of it is usually unspoken and requires one to seek it out. I drove home and thought, just read a little bit every day. You can do that. That is so manageable. If you just do it. Stop standing by, just do the things you hate yourself for not doing. I say all these things about myself, like, I don't take responsibility, I don't learn, I'm a coward, I will never do anything good for this world. What if I just shut up and took responsibility? What if I made effort to educate myself? What if I afforded myself the same leniency I give those around me? What if I just had a little mindful patience and break the paralysis of guilt by taking small steps rather than requiring I take massive ones all at once? I took out those books today. I came home and I opened one, reading for only about 15 minutes. I made one small move closer to a kind of person that I want to be, a person who reads books to fill gaps in my awareness and learns with intention. That's all I can do for today. This has been day 18 of the February Project, a mini-podcast where I'm making an audio piece of 10 minutes or less every day in the month of February 2019. This podcast lives in a website called Backcamp.